Hey, good morning. Welcome to our online Sunday morning service. We gather together every Sunday morning in person and online for prayer, Bible teaching, to submit ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, to engage ourselves in community with other believers. We also have small groups that meet throughout the week. You can email small groups at faithonhill.com. If you want to know what a small group is like, we pray together. We grow in our uh, relational connection and community with each other, and we go over questions based off of this morning's Bible study. Uh, one thing that is going on with in-person services is the mask mandate is going away. Uh, it changes, right? For a while it was the 18th, and then it was the 19th, and then it was no later than the 31st. Now, as of this date, it's March 12th. Could that change even tonight, yes. But as of this date, March 12th is the end of the, the mandate. But whenever the mask mandate goes away, what we are going to do as a church is what we have done this whole time. Two years ago, we made the decision to just be consistent. And we have people with all kinds of different opinions. We have people that are sad that the mask mandate's going away and they wish that it would keep going. We have people that think it should have gone away uh, forever ago, right? But what we've just said is, let's just be consistent. Whatever the public health rules are, that's what we'll do so that there's just no question or wishy-washy about anything that we're doing. So, starting March 12th, or whatever date it ends up being, if you show up to one of our in-person gatherings, masks will not be required. There are some who plan on continuing to wear masks, and that's totally fine. Nobody should feel uh, any, any shame or guilt or anything about that. Um, you want to keep wearing a mask? Totally cool. I've been talking to some people who plan on wearing a mask for a few more weeks just to see how everything pans out. That's totally fine. So that's what's going on in terms of the mask mandate. Uh, this morning, we are going to be in the book of Ephesians chapter 1. We're taking a pause from our study of the gospel of Matthew. Um, felt like there was a need and it was timely to have a word about prayer, an encouragement about prayer, just with everything that's going on in the world around us. So if you have a Bible, open to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Now, if you were in person last week and you say, wait a minute, we were in Ephesians last week. Yes, because we pre-record our online service. And so last week I recorded the part of the Gospel of Matthew that we're supposed to be in. And then as we got to closer to the weekend, with everything going on in the world, I just felt really pressed and sensed that it was time to take a pause for a message and a reminder about prayer. So uh, if you were in person last week and you don't want to hear this Bible study again, that's fine. You can just go to last week's Bible study uh, and then you can hear what will be taught in person this Sunday. And if that's confusing to you, just don't worry about it. The Apostle Paul is writing to Christians in the church in the city of Ephesus. And in chapter 1 of the book of Ephesians, verse 15, he writes, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayer. I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he would, the glorious Father, that he would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted 
when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion in every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This is God's word. Pairs, prayer is powerful. Pears are delicious, but prayer, prayer is powerful. I was thinking about a prayer list. I don't know if you have a prayer list, but a prayer list is just people, places, or things that you intentionally and regularly pray over or pray for. For example, I pray for my wife and for my kids. And maybe you have people that you pray for specifically. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's children, grandchildren. Maybe it's parents or grandparents. Maybe it's friends, neighbors, coworkers. There are people that we pray for with regularity and with intentionality. But it's not just people. It's also places and things that maybe you pray over a city. You pray for a country. You pray for a, a certain ministry. Um, Right now, a lot of us are praying for the Ukraine, and we weren't praying for Ukraine just two weeks ago. I mean, let's be honest about it, right? How many of you thought about Ukraine before like two, three weeks ago? But now, people all over the world are praying for Ukraine and for this place and for these people and the things that are going on in it. Paul had heard about what was going on among the Christians in the city of Ephesus. Verse 15, he says, ever since I heard about everything that's going on, I've just not stopped praying for you. They were on his prayer list. Now, I don't know how you generate a prayer list. There's a lot of different ways. Uh, some people don't really have a list. Some people have like a really formal list. Uh, I've heard about people who basically just write down every person and place and thing that they should be praying for. And then they just divide it by seven and they say, that's who I pray for on Sunday. And that's who I pray for on Monday and so on and so on and so on. But Paul heard about them. He heard about what's going on, and because of what was going on in their situation, he was praying for him. They were on his prayer list. Again, who was praying for the Ukraine just two weeks ago? But now Ukraine is on our prayer list. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes that happens. That, that there are people or situations or things that it's almost like it's this special thing that's been entrusted into our care. Think about this sometimes with the church where we have this running prayer list. You may not know that, but we do. We have a running prayer list, and it's generated from people in the church. Uh, and they'll say, hey, we need to add this person to our list. And we pray over that list in our small groups, and we pray over that list in our Sunday morning gatherings. And we've, for several years, had this running list. I think it's almost five years that we've had this running list that we have prayed for. And sometimes, somebody will reach out to somebody in the church and say, hey, can you pray for this person? Can you pray for this situation? And nobody in the church knows that person directly. Nobody in that church has ever met, that met that person, or nobody in our church is directly involved in the situation, but it's like this precious thing that's been handed to us, entrusted to us. Pray for this thing. Pray for these people. It's something I, it's been neat to see, actually, where Somebody will bring something into the prayer list and you'll kind of see it the first few times that we pray over this person or this issue or whatever. And it's usually the person who put it on the list that prays for it. 
And after a couple weeks, all of a sudden, it's just random people in the church start praying for this situation that they have no connection to, but it's been given to us to pray for. There's people that I've never met, but I pray for regularly. And our church prays for regularly. And Paul hadn't met many of these people, but he's heard about what's going on, so he prays for them. It's interesting to me that he says, I have not stopped praying for you, and that he's not lying. Can I, can I be honest? There have been times in my life where I've said, oh, I'm going to pray for you, and then I haven't. And so what I've tried to get into is a practice of saying, I will not tell somebody I'm praying for them unless I've done it. So if I get a text or an email or a message or something and somebody says, hey, this is going on, can you pray for this? I said, yes. And then I will add it to the list. And then right there and there, I try to pray for that person or that situation so that I can say with truth, hey, no, I really am praying for you. Sometimes we just say thoughts and prayers and it's like this meaningless expression of goodwill. But I want to say, I am praying for you and mean it. I hope you do too. So the Ephesians were the people on Paul's prayer list. Now, I don't know who's supposed to be on your prayer list, but I do think there are people that God gives to us who are just the people that we would have a natural reason or obligation to pray for. My kids. It makes sense that I would pray for my kids. It makes sense that I would pray for my wife. It makes sense that I would pray for my family. It makes sense that I would pray for, you know, there are people that I'm connected to, neighborhoods that I'm connected to, communities that I'm connected to. And then there's communities that you're connected to that I'm not, and it would make way more sense for you to pray for them than for me to pray for them. So there's people that are just obvious. And then there's, like I said a minute ago, people that it's like they're entrusted to us. They're ours to pray for. And the Lord has put them in our lap, and we have to just care for these people, these situations, these places in prayer. I was talking to a friend of mine recently who was saying how he goes and prays over a park bench regularly. I said, why? It's because he used to sleep there when he was homeless. And then God saved him and delivered him from homelessness, from addiction, from destruction in his life. And now he comes back and he prays and he rejoices over where God has brought him, but he also prays for the people that he knows sleep on that bench. Because God delivered him from that bench, he prays for the person who sleeps there at night that God would deliver them. That's somebody God's given him too. So you have who is on your prayer list, but why are they on our prayer list? Think about that. Why? Well, I'm just praying for them to feel better. You know, Sister Sally stubbed her toe or you know, brother, brother Bob, he, he's got a gallbladder inflammation. We've got to pray for him. There's nothing wrong with that. I was in a, this is like one of the weirdest experiences in my Christian life, but I was in a, a prayer meeting once, and it was so full of leaders from Christian churches all over Europe, and it was so full that they had a video going to an overflow room. And so somebody would stand up and just, as we're praying, they would share a Bible verse or something. And some, the person who was sort of leading the meeting would repeat to the overflow room what was happening. And somebody stood up and said, I feel like God says there's somebody here with an esophagus problem and a toe rash, and God wants to heal them. And I was like 19 years old, and I'm looking around, and I'm a, I'm a skeptical person. I'm a guy that has to fight against cynicism. And I'm looking around going, okay, that's just weird. 
that's just, like, why? Why would that be a thing? And the person who was repeating what was going on to the overflow room says, okay, uh, uh, toe rash, and I didn't get the other thing. And you can hear from the back of the room somebody go, no, it's okay, they're right here, we're already praying for them. And it was in that moment I was a little bit humbled, like, or I was a lot humbled, like, oh, well, the Lord just showed me he wanted to heal somebody. And I'm sitting there going, it's weird because it's a toe rash and an esophagus problem, but God wants to heal them. There's nothing wrong with praying for somebody's healing. The danger is when that's all we pray for. If I only pray for somebody to have a nice day, if I only pray for somebody to feel better, is there something more? Is there something deeper? In verse 17, Paul says that he prays for them to have the Holy Spirit. He prays for them to have the Holy Spirit. You think about our friends in the Ukraine right now, what they're going through. We've been praying for a pastor uh, that I know and I've known for many years who's in the Ukraine. And he's in the bomb shelter like three, four times a night now. That's just regular life for him. I could pray for him and say, Lord, deliver him from this. End the bombs. But every time he goes into the neighborhood bomb shelter right now, he is leading his neighborhood in prayer. He is talking with these people as they sit and wait out the air raid warning about Jesus. So should I pray for them to be delivered or should I pray that he be filled with the Holy Spirit to lead his neighborhood to Christ? Both. Both. Paul says he's praying for them to have the Holy Spirit so that they could know the Father better, so they could know the full riches and power of God, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power that brought my friend from that bench in homelessness to a, a vibrant life and faith. Pray for that. People are on our prayer lists, not just so that like, oh Lord, help them to have a good day. Oh Lord, be with them today in some vague way. Oh, oh Lord, you know, they're not feeling great. Help them to feel better. All of that's true, right? I mean, my, one of my sons isn't feeling good this week. I'm praying that he feels better. He's, he's been out of school for a couple days. I want him to get better. But more than that, I want my boys to know the power of the Holy Spirit so that they may know God through Jesus. So I know who's on my prayer list. I know why they're on my prayer list. But let's be honest, there are times when we ask ourselves, what good is this? You know, somebody recently shared a, a situation that's going on, and they said, I, I don't know what you can do, but I, you can pray. That's all I can ask. And I said, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's not insignificant. Prayer is powerful. What good are my prayers? Well, in verse 19, he says that the power of God is the same as the mighty strength, verse 20, that God exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion in every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but the age to come. And God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed him to be overhead of everything for the church. He speaks of power and authority. It's interesting to me. We don't have time for this. But if you go and read the book of Ephesians on your own, and it's a great book. I hope you've read it many times. Ephesians chapter 1 through 3, 
Paul does not instruct the church. He doesn't teach them. He starts teaching them in chapter 4. But chapters 1 through 3, he just points them to Jesus. He just points them to Jesus. And then once he's pointed them to Jesus, then in chapter 4, 5, and 6, he begins to teach and instruct them in how they should live lives and godliness uh, as they wait the second coming of Christ. He points them to Jesus. Why are my prayers powerful? Why do they matter? Why are they any good? Because Jesus is powerful. Because Jesus is good. And think about this. The Bible says that wherever two or more are gathered, there the presence of God is. That Jesus' presence is expressed in and through his church. In and through his church. And if we want to see the power of Jesus expressed in and through his church, I believe prayer is an integral part of that. I mean, think about one of the most well-known stories in the Bible. It's Jesus walking on water. That, that's a well-known story. But why is it that Jesus had to walk on water in the first place? Why wasn't he in the boat with his disciples when the storm came? It was because he had gone off by himself to pray. And then on the night he was betrayed, after the Last Supper, he went to the garden. Why? To pray. And if Jesus prayed, then his church must pray. I know who's on my prayer list, and I know why they're on my prayer list, and I know that my prayers matter because Jesus prayed, and Jesus is powerful, and Jesus is working, and Jesus is moving. You can look at the world around you, and I don't know if you felt powerless in the last couple days or the last couple months or the last couple years, because I have. I don't know about you, but I have. And as I have felt powerless, I have looked at the world around me. I can't stop Putin. I've, I've looked at the world around me, and I can't fix this pandemic. I've looked at the world around me and said, there's all this polarization. There's all this, this division. There's all this fighting. And, and what can I do? I feel powerless. But Jesus can do things. And Jesus can bring enemies together and cause them to be friends. Jesus can bring peace into the hearts of people. The Bible says pray for your enemies. I've been praying. I've been praying for Mr. Putin that he would repent. I've been praying. And I don't think it's powerless. I think it matters. I believe that. Who's on your prayer list?